Good evening, good evening, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Career Talks Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Orlando Haynes. Again, super excited. I just bring fire in the talent and the people I bring to the platform to share their expertise. And tonight, I continue to not sell these people short. So, uh, but first, let me just thank uh, tonight's sponsor and Agape Career Counseling Group, which is led by a good friend of mine. Uh, Deborah Carr Russell. She does HR small business consulting. So you can check her out at agapeccg.com. That's agape, uh, agapeccg.com. And also tonight's episode is sponsored by my partner and I, Karen Turner. That's Karen with two E's. Uh, we both came together and kind of uh, not kind of, but we did launch a new product called the Career Accelerator Planner. This helps corporate American folks uh, there who are looking to do better in tracking their performance, their their worth, their value, their contributions in the organizations, right? How do you keep track of all that information that you do versus sticky notes and notepads and things like that? The Career Accelerator Planner absolutely does that for you. Uh, so definitely get you a pre-order copy at the careeracceleratorplanner.com. So appreciate that. And here we go. So tonight, um, definitely honored to have Miss Karen Williams on the stage uh, platform on the live, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this young American founder of her own staffing firm, her own diversity called culture great name well i'll definitely want to dive into that um but she is definitely trailblazing out there and want to make sure that we bring uh you know these folks to the forefront as much as possible to share their expertise because she's on the front lines doing it as an entrepreneur so without further ado let me bring this young dynamic amazing talent onto the platform miss karen where are you you might be on mute. Are you on your mute there? Of course I am. <laughs> no worries. So no worries. <laughs> Absolutely. How are you? I'm great. Good, really? good. So let me let me first ask. Um where are you out of? And I was about to say Austin. I don't know why, but no, I'm actually in Nashville. Nashville, that's right. Nashville. Mm-hmm. I should have known from the accent and looking at your LinkedIn profile. Um, but where is the accent Nashville? I am from Memphis. East Memphis. This is the Memphis accent. Okay. I guess you hear one. But I currently live and reside in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Man, I didn't want to offend because I saw you was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> so, I want to make sure I represent, you represent well and I represent. <laughs> That's Memphis. Uh, sorry, Nashville. You don't you don't get to claim, Karen. You do in the business, but not from a homegrown uh, root. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> so first and foremost, uh, share with the folks, you know, who Karen is, what cultural advit is. Well, I am Karen Williams and I'm the founder of Culture Advit. But before that, um, I am from Memphis, Tennessee. I went to high school and lived my whole life there. And I went to actually went to Tennessee State University in Nashville, straight out of college. And I was here and then I went back home, got married, had kids. Um, and ended up coming back in 2017. And so in the midst of that, when I went home, I actually worked in staffing. Um, and I did that for about two years. And then I got into corporate um, as a general um, HR 
representative. And so I did that for about three years. And then I decided to just quit my job in the middle of 2016 and say, hmm, I'm going to figure out what is it that really makes me happy. So from 2016 to 2018, end of 2018, I was on this journey of trying to figure out what it was that I was good at. And I ended back up uh, where I started. <laughs> and I'm starting my own uh, staffing company. My husband's a software engineer. And I would hear, you know, the talks about how there was a, a pipeline issue. There's a shortage of diverse talent. And so I said, OK, well, I can do that. I can find people. I've done it before. Mm -hmm. and so. I started my original company was called Mentech Agency. And so Mentech yep, Agency for minorities in tech. And just thinking about how I want to scale the company and be able to do more things for corporations is where we did the switch to cultural avid. And you know, avid just means someone that's enthusiastic about something, they're you know, that's something they're passionate about. And and so culture is what we really want to bring into companies and and understand that there's differences between everyone and just want to just bring it all together and so that's where the name culture Avid came from i love that and yeah i remember the you recently made the the name switch mm -hmm. okay yeah. so i remember seeing that i remember every time i would uh go on your profile it was mint tech was. i was like i was like oh i was like ca what's ca right. culture what's Avid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, obviously, same background. Uh, we both uh, grew up and grown up in in this uh, talent acquisition recruiting space. Mm -hmm. And we, we were just talking uh, previous to going live that staffing and recruiting. Uh, and I love you folks that are in it, but I can never go back to it. I can never go back to it unless right. You had your own business. That's a different uh, it's, it's a different beast out there. So let, let's talk about when you started and made that mental shift to start your own business, mm. but then really get laser focused to to do it for diversity hiring. That's right. That's too different. Right. You can do staffing abroad and whatever, but you, you kind of got laser focused and like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to make a difference here, not just build a business. Exactly. And I would say it's Right. I could have just started a recruiting company and did all kinds of things in all kinds of areas. But I was very specific because I knew that there was an issue. So, you know, of course, when starting a business, you want to make sure that you are solving a problem that mm -hmm. people know that they have. The reason I didn't do staffing before. So when I quit my job in 2016, I sat down with a friend and he was like, you should do staffing. I was like, no, I hate sales. I do not want to convince someone that they have a problem and then convince them they need my solution. So when I sat down and came full circle back to staffing, I figured, what do companies already know they have a problem with? And that's one having diversity and two it was in the tech space where you heard this buzz it was always in the news it was always you know articles written about it and so that's why i decided to go down that um road because i wanted something that companies already knew they had a problem with they just needed the right solution wow that's yeah so you went really niche in that space but at the same time um a really it's it's kind of i wouldn't say it's a, a catch or a buzz phrase but it's a real movement now where wow. you know we have African Americans, um, Black and Tech, all these different platforms that are mm -hmm. good, uh, but you're doing it from not building a necessarily tech company, but you're mm -hmm. doing it through staffing or being someone who can jump into the space of a tech job at Google, which you're mm -hmm. helping folks do. Right, um, you're doing it from staffing, so that's still a bit of a uh, a unique way 
Uh, I, I have a partner. I would say a, a business partner, not a business partner, but a friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, Kenneth Johnson, and I'll connect you to. He runs a diversity recruiting firm. He focuses on that as well, but he's up in uh, New Jersey and New York area. What's the name uh, of his company? Um, it's, oh man, put me yeah, right on the spot. Him. No, no, I'm sorry. I think we, mm-hmm. I think I know him though. Yeah, Kenneth Johnson? Yeah. yeah you should. Yeah, yeah. If sure. if not, um, I'll, I'll connect you to, but yeah, Sharp yeah. Brother um, and doing what he's doing there. So I'm, I'm happy to see another um, a woman and an African-American woman doing it. So <laughs> that's, that's really rare. So talk about... Um, as you started that, how did you start to target your first few clients mm. again in, in seeing the vision for cultural advent? Well, for me, I remember I quit my job in 2016. Mm-hmm. I had the idea for Mentech Agency December 2018. So between that two years, I had started two other companies or two other business ideas or ventures, and they weren't successful. And it was because I did them on my own. I wanted to, you know, figure it out on my own. I don't know why we get this. I don't know if it makes you feel more accomplished to say you did it on your own, but that was what I did the first time, the first two times. This third time, this was my last strike. My husband said, either you go back to work, you export a year, it's two, you can either go back to work or you figure this out. So I went to um, what's called the Entrepreneur Center here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through the Entrepreneur Center. They have all these different programs for entrepreneurs. And I went through their first program, which is called Pre-Flight. And it's for people that are just starting a business, need help with the idea and business, oh. training, learning how to pitch. Um, that so it's like an incubator. It is. It was yeah, okay. like okay. a cohort. And, you you know, you with mm-hmm. all these different people. That's what made the difference for me this time is because I had that community. I met so many different people. Um, and just being there and being able to talk about my business, being able to talk to, they gave us advisors and I met different people. And within maybe by August of that year, I was asked to be on a panel at a software school here in Nashville. And I talked about how, you know, I had started my company and I would talk to potential clients and they would say, oh yeah, we're interested. But when I followed up, they never said anything. It was like crickets, right? And it was one lady in the audience and she stopped me at the end of the um, event and told me she wanted to be my first client. She was not going to be cricket. And she was the CEO, no, the CTO of my first uh, company client. So that I feel like it happened because it was supposed to. Had I started the company when a friend told me in 2016, I don't think I would have had the momentum. I wouldn't have had the support that I had when I started it in 2019. So I think all things happen for a reason and in the yeah. right time. And uh, that was the difference. It was definitely having the support um, of people that had already been there and all the different, you know, advisors and things. Wow. So that was about what, three and a half, four years ago? Three years ago. It was, it was, I took the class January 2019 to, I believe, April 2019. And wow. I did my first, like, I, I got a client in between them, but like my first paying client was <laughs> was probably was um, that August. Um, oh, was that a was that a contract role or direct uh, direct hire? And I love that question because so originally when I started the company, I was going to do direct hires because you mm. didn't need any back end, right? You just need to find the people, place them, the company like will pay you. <laughs> well, this first client, that's not what she wanted. She needed contractors. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, of course I can do that. Of course. I had no back end. I had to figure it out within a month, how to set up payroll, how to, it just was everything. And back then it was pre-COVID. So people had to come in and fill out applications because they were going into the office. It was just a whole, right. but it was a great experience because I figured it out. And I see yeah. what people always say, well, if you don't know it or you don't have the, you know, the tools, just tell them and figure it out. And I'm always like, that's not a good idea, but if you've got the it and you're going, if you want it, you'll go figure it out. So that's that's real talk right there. That's yeah. real talk. That's amazing. So uh, definitely, congrats on that. That's huge. Thank that's you. huge to turn around, be in a cohort, then go through that, and then be identified based off a panel, mm-hmm. and say, you know what, I'm gonna give this young lady a shot. Yeah. And then three three years later, you're flourishing now. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you seen? throughout those three years and your recruiting background. So for folks that are watching or catch the replay, mm-hmm. um, Karen is not three years of recruiting experience. She, she has a wealth of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what are companies missing from a diversity um, hiring standpoint? Mm. I think um, for me, what I've seen is a lot of companies are saying they want diversity, mm-hmm. but it's really, let's take Wells Fargo, for example. Mm. We know they were in the news recently because they were having fake interviews for black and women um, wow. applicants. Yeah. So we have a lot of companies that are doing it because they have to meet numbers for their board. Um, and so they're not putting in the true effort that they will because there's companies out there that are doing it right right there are some companies that are doing a really really good job um but i think until they're really ready to do the work then it, that's the problem I've, I've had hr people that reach out to me they're women or minorities and they're like we really want to work with you we want to get more talent in and that's great the person we bring in the hr person interviews them oh they're doing they're, they were great we're going to pass them on to the hiring manager but when they get to the hiring manager, it's crickets. It's, oh, no, they want a good fit for X, Y, and Z reason. Or they make it past the hiring. I've even had it so they make it past the hiring manager and they get to the team lead, which is, you know, under the hiring manager. And the team lead says, no, I don't think they'll be, be a good fit for our team. And and so the, the initiative is not being passed along through the team. It's just kind of at the top and it's kind of swirling around and it's not coming down to the entire team. So I think everyone has to be on board for it to be successful, right? It can't just be the HR manager or the VP of diversity. It has to be the people that are responsible for that team and the people that will train them. Like it has to be the entire like engineering department if we're talking about tech, right? So. Right. And you you just teed me up for a great question there because you said it, it's the trickle down effect right from top level down. Mm-hmm. And where most folks talk about diversity, when it, when this initially came out and they were talking about diversity in the organizations, they were really talking about at the C-suite level, mm-hmm. the executive board level. Um, but now it's it's more widespread. It's still it's still at at that level, but in middle management, you know, director level, senior director, mm-hmm. um, going forth. What level of staffing does cultural advent provide today? Well, you know what we have done a range of, and now I think with the change, we were trying to be more um, 
streamline with who those clients are, you know, mm -hmm. what industry they're in and what roles that we fill. But we've done engineering managers all the way down to quality assurance and help desk. So, the, you know, I like to do those like help desk and QA roles because those are roles to help people like us that are just getting out of school get that experience. Because unfortunately, I am messaged, called all the time by entry level people that have just recently got out of, out of a boot camp or just graduated and they can't find a job. And so those QA roles and help desk roles help them get their feet in the door so that they can then move on and get you know other opportunities within roles. But we mainly focus on senior level roles. So anything that's you know a senior software engineer up to you know a manager or director. We actually was filling a director role earlier this year. So we normally focus on senior and up, but we try to do as much as we can to help support you know us getting into you know this field. Okay, and based on your your client pro, uh, I would say profile, but current uh, book of business of different types of business. Um, so cultural, yeah. So cultural avid mm -hmm. focused on tech. So tech, um, healthcare tech, fintech, and tech companies. Versus before we were working with all companies, we worked with Macy's and Dollar General and Eventbrite. So we 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 worked with whoever needed the support. Um, now we're more focused since we're doing all roles and not focusing on just tech roles. We're focusing on tech companies. That way we can yeah. help people get into tech companies in all different roles, uh -huh. accounting or marketing. Um, what we'll focus on are tech roles. Love it. What are some of those conversations like with with the hiring managers that initially, you know, it's their first conversation with, you know, with Cultural Avid, with you, mm -hmm. Karen, and they're like, okay, how do we, you know, how do we bring in or how do we become more attractive to a diverse mm. talent pool? And you know what, what? That's, that's actually the switch we made with Culture Avid. So that's what we do now. Now we say, instead of us recruiting for you, we want to see why you're not attracting talent on your own. Mm. What, how is your hiring process when a person applies all the way to the time that they're offered uh, the job or rejected? What does that look like? And so, a lot of companies aren't ready to do that work because that's harder than just having someone come in and help recruit for us, right? It's easier just to call Karen and say, can you send us some diverse talent? We send you some people you hire one or two. But the hard work is actually peeling back the layers of your application process or pulling back the layers of where you're actually sourcing from. A lot of town, a lot of times they post a job on Indeed or they post a job on LinkedIn and they hire an outside, you know, sourcer and that's it. Like there's some, if you really wanted to hire people of color, if you really want to hire black talent, you would partner with Afrotech. You would partner with um, black men in tech. Like there are so many organizations, black in tech. There are at this point, it's probably hundreds of organizations mm -hmm. to partner with that are specific to each demographic, even if it's a veteran you're looking for or people with disability. Like there are organizations that cover all of those, but it's that's work, right? They have to actually do the work to figure that out or hire someone like me to do the work for them and help them figure it out. But that's the hard work, right? right. <laughs> to say, Karen, send us 10 you know, women for these roles versus mm -hmm. doing the work. Yeah. Do you still get the sense that they're doing it from a check box? Mm. 
versus, hey, we really need to shake up the culture, add, you know, diverse thinking, thought um, to the organization? Or is it still that, you know, hey, we did our job for this year or this quarter, um, but I'll, I'll stop there. I don't want to say too much, but do you think it's more just of, hey, we checked the box and brought in or and connected and have a relationship with a diverse, mm-hmm. you know, uh, central focused organization to, to bring yeah. us talent? And that's the that's the kind of sad, sad part, because, you know, I'll work with organizations and tell them about, hey, this is what we can do to mm-hmm. help you better recruit talent on your own without having to outsource or then or us just being a surplus and you're doing a great job on your own as well um checking the box some of them are and when we try to weed them out as quickly as possible because they can put on a good face right they mm-hmm. come in and they're like oh we're really we've been looking at you and we think you're doing a good job we you know and some of them are checking a box but it takes a minute to figure those out. You know, it takes us to send over people because to me, if if I tell you as a company, we're able to do an audit and tell you where there are gaps in your processes to help mm-hmm. you better your processes and systems. So candidates come through and have a great experience and they tell people about their experience and then you organically attract talent and you say, no, you don't want to do that. You just want to hire. That to me is a red flag that you're really not ready to do the real work. Yeah, that's, and that's a key point too, because you said an audit of your process mm-hmm. to see if you're attracting, you know, basically diverse talent. Mm-hmm. What are some of those um, processes that you can see gaps in in clients? Right. So for us, is thinking about the hiring process. What does mm-hmm. it look like when someone applies for your job? Are they having to upload their resume, then go in and type in their resume? That could be a, a, a area right there that pulls people out. You have to think about it. People have so many options right now. If you're going to put them through a 30 minute application process, you've lost them right there. Unless right. you're Google or Amazon or one of these huge companies, if you're not a fame company, candidates are not going to spend extra time filling out your application process. And then the interview process. I have worked with some companies that have the most audacious interview processes, six steps, three hour, four hour interviews. Those things need to be assessed and trimmed down if you really want to get talent, even if they're not diverse. At this point, no one wants to go through a six stage interview process and then not get the job, Orlando, and then not get the job. Can you imagine how heated this person is that has taken off from their job to interview with you six times, three hours, two or three times, coding challenges, doing homework, and then they don't get the job. That's of course they're going to go to Glassdoor and give you a, a horrible review because you didn't streamline the process and make it easier. I think, and I was just writing a LinkedIn post about this, like, I think companies think they're doing a great job. They're weeding out, you know, mm-hmm. the bad or they're you know, keeping the people that really wanted and go through the process, but you are losing out on really good talent. Yeah. 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 And I, I share that a lot with, um, with hiring managers is that it's not, it's, it's not tough to find talent, mm-hmm. but what we're up against is the speed to hire. Right. The, yeah. the elongated process of all that, mm-hmm. like six steps. That's, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care who you are, even for Google or someone that's, that's just crazy. Oh, I've heard some months month-long interview processes 
for those big companies, two yeah, and three months. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. And then you get in, you're like, this this is not what I thought. <laughs> right. You left your job. You like, and then that's another thing. People are going from one thing to another, hoping the grass is green on the other side. Mm-hmm. They get there and it's not. Exactly. That's crazy. So are, are you talking with, um, you know, uh, with managers about maybe from a visual standpoint to uh, what their website looks like? Does it attract, you know, is it reflective of the community and who they are trying to attract or it just looks, you know, like a sea of, you know, um, just standardized post and white folks. I mean, let me, let, I'll say it. I don't care, <laughs> but you know, does it look just like the every Joe Photoshop website? Right. So again, that goes back to our new stuff, right? So we have a, a um, framework of which we audit for companies in the First part is A, which is for attract. That's their career page, their job descriptions, um, their social media, like all of those things. Oh, and their reviews on like Glassdoor. All of those mm-hmm. things are the attract phase. What is a candidate going to look at before they decide if they really think that this is a good fit for them? Are they going to your website and all they see is a sea of white? They don't see themselves reflected in the leadership. They don't see themselves reflected in your um customer base that's on your website they don't see themselves reflected even in a diversity um statement there's nothing and you want me to feel comfortable leaving my job i'm already kind of comfortable to come here and i don't know what it's going to feel like so yes it's definitely something we talk to them about because it's crucial and they i don't know i just can't imagine companies don't see that people want to see themselves reflected um when they're looking for a job. Right. And I always ask when I'm interviewing a, a client, um, we're having intake calls. I'm, that's one of my top questions is, do you have anyone that's diverse in the interview process? Have mm. to no. That's a big one. I had a client here in Nashville's healthcare company and the director was a black woman and she sat in on every interview to make sure that it was fair and equitable. And I can remember she told me that she had to talk to her team because the way they talked to the woman, now with the director on the phone, she said the way they talked to the woman was completely different from the way they talked to the guy. And maybe it's unconscious and they just even didn't know because the director was there. Maybe they just didn't know. She said they they drilled the woman where the guy, they were laughing and joking and talking about, you know, baseball and, you know, all kind wow. of things. And she said they just drilled. So, Imagine if your director is there and you feel that comfortable to make those differences. If no one was there, they could really um, advocate. Kind of yeah, 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 advocate. So, so um, it sounds like those were men interviewing both candidates, mm-hmm. all men. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And was it all white men? Yes. Got it. <laughs> wow. So your cat, you brought two two African American candidates, one female, one male. The female was drilled, um, and the male was kind of had, had somewhat of a pass, and just like right, hey, you know, right, right, right. And the guy was nice. actually Hispanic. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, he was still a minority. But they were way more lax with him than. Um, wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no worries. No worries. This is <clears throat> no worries at all. So uh, when. Uh, 
along with that, you said you started to say something. I thought you said like an acronym. So A is for attract. Oh yeah. So our yeah our our framework is attract, connect, and retain. So it's the ACR framework, and the A is you know what are they doing to attract? And we talked about the website, social media job, mm -hmm. um, hiring. It's like that. What does their hiring process look like from start to finish? And then the retention piece for us is not necessarily us developing retention strategies. It's the piece that companies miss. It is actually talking to and evaluating your current employees, right? How do they feel about your diversity initiative? Most companies have not even had the conversation with their employees on the teams that they're about to have these initiatives for, have not had one conversation with their employees or an audit or not even an audit, but like a survey of how they feel, right? You have to think about if this is a homogeneous work environment, white males, maybe a, you know, a sprinkle of two of white females, and you say, okay, we're going to do this diversity initiative to bring in LGBTQ community, Black and Latinx, and you have not talked to these people. What if you have like white Christian males that don't want... I just think that companies really have to be more cognizant of what they're doing. Um, I know we think, you know, we're human and they'll, they'll understand it, but I think you really, if you want people to accept changes, you have to include them. That's that's funny you say that because I, I experienced that not probably within the last three years oh. where some, something similar. So it was when the George Floyd incident happened. Um, how long has that been now? Four or five years now? No, um, it was 2000 when I started my company. It was in 2000. It's, wait, no, it's Floyd? Yes, George Floyd was in 2000. What? I know. Okay, so it wasn't then. It wasn't then. No, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> um, but it was something more recent. I can't recall it, it what it was, but our chief marketing officer, it was probably, again, within three to four years ago, uh, mm -hmm. chief marketing officer sent out a newsletter uh, or a, a mass email to the company saying, we're against this, we're against that. I can't recall what the incident was. But mm -hmm. um, speaking, it was such an, a general statement, though. Um, and, and I know him and he circled back with me privately and said, like, hey, did you get a chance to see the CEO's email? I was like, mm -hmm. yeah. He goes, what do you think? I was like, yeah. I said, it didn't touch. It didn't speak to specifically the African-American community in which, you know, this incident was was hitting. It was mm -hmm. very general. You, you could have copied and pasted to anything. I said, mm -hmm. it completely missed the mark. He was like, good to know, because I wrote it. And I was like, oh. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you asked me for my feedback, and I'm telling you, we missed the, as an organization, we missed right. the mark on speaking to diverse, you know, diverse climate in in this, you know, in this just in America. Period. So I, I get it when you see companies that are doing what they're doing and just completely missing the mark, or like you said, uh, checking the box because I think it's easier to mm -hmm. kind of. A, a general blanket statement that way you don't offend anyone Correct. But <clears throat> for change somebody's going to be hurt somebody's going to be a little yeah. offended and I think if you truly wanted to support the black community for whatever had happened um, that should have been the verbiage you use black community mm -hmm. and whoever's offended let them show their face so we can know that they're not you know on board exactly. or, you know it's like open up. Don't be afraid to open up that that conversation, right? 
if, right. you, if you really want to make change, you gotta you gotta mm-hmm. hit the the tough the tough topic. So yeah, throughout your your career and your in with your business uh, that you're doing, what are some of the suggestions that you can give organizations out there that are truly mm-hmm. truly trying to develop a DNI you know program or just say diverse hire a diverse talent mm-hmm. pool? Um, I would say if companies are truly trying to hire diverse talent is to one look inside before you bring people in make sure your your home is homely and they will be they will feel welcome so i would say start with your current employee survey make sure everyone's on board everyone doesn't have to be on board but i think getting them included in knowing what's going on and not just seeing you know, a big initiative slapped across and now they have to be in on all these interviews and they're like, you know, it's just, I think it, it we are creating this tear or this pull between each other by making it feel like one's better than the other or now black people getting all the attention because someone got killed or, you know, it's just like, it's always, and we've got to figure out how to kind of balance it all. Um, but I would definitely say start inside and the number number two is one of one of my things that I focus on is like understanding the candidates that you want to attract. So if you say you want to attract black professionals, understand black professionals because people say diversity. What does diversity mean? Okay, let's, yeah. let's just go there because it's one of the, the chips I have. And I know I I say I'm a diversity company, but I always say black, Latinx, and women focused. But what does diversity mean? Companies can't just say, oh, I want to hire diverse talent. What is diverse talent? Is it black? Is it women? Is it veterans? Is it like, what is it? Mm-hmm. Stop being afraid to, to say the words and say what you want. So if you're trying to increase the number of black professionals in your organization, okay, now let's say, where are these people located? Are you open to them being remote? Are you op- like, com- let's make, like you would do a, a customer persona. Like when you're going out to get a new customer, you're going to break down everything you need to know to better understand them so that you can talk to them so you can understand them. The same thing goes for your candidate. Now, this is their market. They make the decision. So you really need to understand who they are. Where are they? Where do they hang out? They may not be on LinkedIn. And if they're on LinkedIn, are they in specific groups? Because I'm in like 30 groups on LinkedIn that are specific to black professionals, black professionals in tech, black women, black men. So like, what are you looking for? And I think if they start there, one, understand their current organization, their department. So just say it's their engineering department. Talk to their engineering department, do an uh, anonymous survey or a survey and let them kind of understand what's going on. And two, understand the people you're trying to find, because if it's black professionals, you know, we have different fraternities and sororities than Hispanics or white women, you know, so it's I think it's really understanding the people that they're trying to hire and not lump everybody in. If you're going to say diverse, what does it mean? Is it women could be diverse? White women can be diverse now, right? That a white woman is right. diverse. So like, don't try to sugarcoat and just say diverse and then you just hire a bunch of white women. Like, what are you really trying to accomplish? Are you really trying right. to level it out and hire more black women or black men or Hispanic women? I mean, like, what is it? And stop being afraid of using the language and being more intentional. I love that. You said even now, you said white women are diverse. You don't know which way they go. Yeah, so That's hilarious. Yeah, that's hilarious. So um, you said something that's cool, too. Uh, when it comes to for companies, educate companies 
that uh, for folks that are listening, and uh, again, I always say that the, the replay, but for companies that are like, hey, we haven't done the homework to partner with diverse organizations, mm-hmm. like where can they start? <laughs> Google. <laughs> And we're done, folks. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Google University. Uh, right? Yeah. Just it's Google Black professional groups. And I'm telling you, mm. a ton will come back. Um, I've done a lot of work just finding, because I have to find talent for companies before, mm-hmm. right? So it, when I tell you I am in GroupMe, I didn't think about it. GroupMe has groups specific to diversity. Oh, yeah. yeah. Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, where else did I uh, slack? Like there are groups that you can be in for everything. And then if you really about it, spend some money, go to some of these conferences, sponsor, put your name up there. So people know who you are. I think another thing is these companies are sticking these, uh, job descriptions up on LinkedIn and indeed, and people don't know who you are. They don't know anything about you. They, they're going right past your, your job offer because they don't know who you are. Get in front of them. Go to their conferences. Go, right. you know, go to their neighborhood. Sponsor something that they. If you're in the neighborhood and you're trying to hire these people, like, what what schools do they have? Where do their children go to school? Go sponsor breakfast. I mean, something. They have to get more uh, intentional and more creative, and just stop using the excuses as the pipeline. Carrie said, "Carrie's fired up." She said, "Go sponsor a breakfast." Go go feed these folks. You'll get them there. This lady from Culture Abbey came and they brought us breakfast. And Mama's like, "Oh, who's Culture Abbey? Let me look at it." Like you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like you have to be more. You know. Think outside. Get get some hotcakes and eggs out there, or some pancakes and waffles and eggs, chicken and waffles, and then we stop. I don't put it out there like that, but yeah. But uh, no, that's true though. The fact that we need to not just um uh, companies rest on their laurel right and mm-hmm. say we're we're the amazons whether this and, and again they do it and they will continue to do it because mm-hmm. those are the giants but for other right. organizations who truly i love what you said don't just put together all this think tank and brain power and just say hey here's what we're going to put on our website and here's a diversity like launch out like get out mm-hmm. and that's the, and that's you know the ta team put some hr put you know operations folks get out there and do something and Just go to our hate. schools. I mean, yeah. I always say HBCUs are not the only way to find black talent, but there are some HBCUs that get no light, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that have great talent, but nobody comes. They don't even know about them. And I feel bad as a black woman. I didn't even know it was that many HBCUs in the United States. I know. I know. Because you only hear about like the top 10 or 20, and it's like. And they underfunded. <laughs> so, right. If you really. Want to get diverse talent? You're gonna have to spend some money because you got to go find them. Man. It's just, it, it, I think it was nine, nine or ninety billion is how much um, tech companies spend on um, retention of diverse talent. Really? Yeah, because they lose so many. They have to. It's, it's a cycle. It's over and over and over again. And instead of doing the work on the front end. You rather just do the easy work, bring in some diverse talent, half onboard them, and stick them in a seat. No mentor, no nothing. Just hope you know, hope you do well, and they looking for another job in six months or a year. Wow! So no retention program in there at all. 
I, I will sh- I will shout out one company I work for, uh, Amazon. They were good um, at hiring diverse talent across management. I've seen it, you know, senior level across the board. It was excited to see that. But they also internally had multiple groups. Mm-hmm. Black this, Latinx that, LGBTQ mm-hmm. this, this. And I was like, wow. And this was like promoted. Mm-hmm. From, mm-hmm. And I've seen the groups travel. It wasn't just an online Ooh, community. Mm-hmm. I've seen groups where it was, hey, we're the Black TA group. We're traveling to this Black tech conference uh, representing Amazon. I was just like, wow, like they're really putting their money where their All mouth right. is and supporting yeah. that movement. So uh, shout out to them for that. So stuff like that, and I get it. They have deep pockets, and it's easier for right. them at that point. Mm-hmm. But the simple things of the community outreach and touch points are like any company can do that. Right. Yeah. Any company do that who truly want to, uh, you know, they partner could, with talent. They could volunteer their time. If they don't want to spend money. If you're a smaller company, you don't have the money. OK, put a team together to go to the school and mm-hmm. tutor. put put a team together to do Habitat for Humanity. Like it's lots of things that companies can do to get their faces out there. I mean, if it's a coding camp and you want to go and I like, guess coding camps for adults, you know, you can still volunteer and go and help them. Right. It, it mm. doesn't have to be kids if that's what you're trying to, to do. And, and that's another thing, like talent, being able to take entry level talent, mid level talent and train them up for the next roles, you need uh, you need a bench, and a lot of companies don't want to invest in the bench. They rather invest in the senior talent, but they only last for so long, and they're gonna take that knowledge with them when they move on. When it's better to invest in people that are young in their career, that are hungry, that are gonna stay longer as long as you treat them right. Um, I think that's another missing piece. It's so much diverse talent out there that's in that in that pipeline that's kind of stuck in that entry level, mid level. And, and they're not getting any support. Um, I just got a call, just random guy. He found me online and he was he's in a boot camp and he was just like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Coming out of a, uh, you said at boot camp, like a technical boot camp? Yeah, mm-hmm. he was still in the boot camp and he was just trying to get some support. And um, I helped him as much as I could and I was trying to get him hooked up with an internship. Um, but it's just, it's the resources for us. It's just having the support. It's people give, taking a chance on you when you you know really don't have a lot of experience. Um, it's talent out there. They just need to be nurtured. Right. Yeah. So and I won't give to- a business system on if they would use some of those people and actually get them back in, but that's okay. I won't go there. Yep. Yeah, we can go there now. We can go there. <laughs> That's talent. That's talent. That's reformed talent. Nothing wrong with that. If we were Get actually the job done. People. Get so, yeah. the job done, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so with that, uh, as you as you talk about as or as we talking about the just the you know the diverse talent in tech, where are you seeing um from your eyes, from your vantage point? Um, which roles are being saturated or being, you know, drawn to more, more by diverse talent? Is it software developers? Is it enterprise architect folks? Where is that? Well, the biggest draw is tech, period. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, 
if you know the last year it's been how to pivot how to pivot how do i get into tech if anybody has a program on how to get in tech that actually works they would just blow up because that's the key that everybody's looking for how do i get in tech how do i pivot into tech um whether it's a pro a project manager or mm -hmm. um a qa or a data engineer like all of those roles are being saturated but what companies are looking for are software engineers everybody's looking for a software engineer mm. so you have a lot of people going to school for that because that is probably the top uh, one of the top roles that companies are looking for software and are you seeing folks make that switch who are not in the space but want to get in the space or hearing conversations around it but they're doing it more so for the love of tech or the monetary gain because the dollar the is there Right. Definitely monetary is what I've seen um, because that's what people promote. Right. When you're looking on social media, um, mm -hmm. that's what people promote. And, you know, getting a six figure job in tech after just going to a boot camp, this is how you can do like that, That's what people are promoting is the is the financial gain, which is important for our community. Right. To be able to go and mm -hmm. But sometimes they sell them something that's not necessarily true. Right. Um, because I, I know a lot of people that have went through boot camps and or college and they still don't have a job in um, mm. tech. Um, so it's not it, it, it can be easy if you follow the right path. Right. If you're not afraid of getting in there and really working because you have to constantly learn, you have to con constantly be making yourself better until you can land that role with the company. You have to be open to going to a startup. You might have to be open to taking under 100, you know, entry level, just you're not just rolling over and getting $100,000. Right. Right. You know, you have to be willing to um, be open to what you know what you can get well i'm not gonna say that because i believe in getting what you what you're owed what's due what does the market rate for the role is but being able to get the market rate is what i mean right. um, for the role, but not being because they that's all i see is glamorized on social is you know getting this hundred thousand dollar job 100 plus in six months and sometimes it's not true and then people they're crushed when they went through this and then they don't get the six-figure job that they thought they would get Exactly. Uh, it's almost it's almost like the, the the IG life, right? It looks pretty on the outside to you dig deep and they living in their mama's basement. They ain't really right. driving <laughs> that right. this and that. Like yeah. every tech job out the gate is not six figures. Right, um, exactly. And I think yeah. if just we make that clear, it's not every job out the gate is not six figures. But you yeah. can definitely get there. Tech mm -hmm. is an area where you can get to six figures. You can make over a hundred thousand dollars, but you have to, you know, stay focused and and continue to learn and make yourself better and you know go to conferences, learn, start to speak, do pro projects, side projects, you know, consult. You can just do so much with tech. Um, right. I think that's why so many people have tried to pivot because we we know it's the future and we normally get left behind, right? Which is why mm -hmm. America is struggling now to fill all these jobs because 20 years ago, I don't remember having a, a mm -hmm. software class option. I didn't. I had a typing class where they mm -hmm. taught me how to type, get me ready for like being a secretary mm -hmm. or something, but to code, to develop stuff, I, I didn't get training for that. I remember one class 
I failed miserably. I actually dropped the class in college. It was C sharp. Wow. <laughs> it, it was supposed to be C sharp 101, but he was teaching us like C sharp 201. We we're like, dude, what, what are you talking about? We have no. <laughs> We we right. looking in the book. You giving us a project. We're like, wait a minute now. Right. I, I think that's also another reason why we're so behind because we weren't preparing. They no. We weren't being prepared for the future. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Our, our culture was not was not yeah in that in those conversations privy to that. But yeah. yeah. But now we now we definitely have an opportunity. Exactly. Uh, Exactly, uh, especially with companies like Cultural Advent, oh, uh, putting people out there. Absolutely. So, share with folks because time has already flown by, oh, wow. which is crazy. Um, share with folks how they can best contact you and follow your content because you're not just a, a, a business owner. You provide content on this LinkedIn space here. Yes. So, what's the best place? Um, so, yes, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's the Karen Williams. So Karen Williams, <laughs> and I'm normally I pop up there. Yeah. Um, and you can always find us at culturalavid.com. We are Cultural Avid everywhere. Of course, Cultural Avid at um, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, every every space we have Culture Avid um, and cultureavid.com. And you can email us at services or partnerships at cultureavid.com as well. Awesome. 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 So what's, what's coming next for cultural advent? Um, Cause you, you went through some iterations of the, you know, in, in the, how focused you're getting mm-hmm. uh, with that. So do you see something uh, more like, will you get into AI uh, recruiting as well? Or is that already a part of that now? Um, well, no, not necessarily. Um, definitely would love to, provide some kind of SaaS product. But right now we are really mm-hmm. focused on getting companies on board with doing the groundwork, the foundational work of understanding where they are, where the gaps are, fixing those and improving their processes. And that will save them money. It will save them time and they'll be able to recruit better, faster and more qualified talent. Now in, in, you know, I'm, I, even though I was, I'm over here stumbling, but as we're wrapping up and you're talking, I'm hearing two different types of services you provide. Oh. And is that, um, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it also a consultative kind of approach to the business owner saying, hey, we can help you develop a more diverse Right. So our, our framework is the mm-hmm. actual breaking down of where are the gaps and then coming back with the recommendation of how we can fix it. Got it. That's 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 awesome. That's awesome. Versus just say, hey, I got a perfect person for that senior software engineer role. Yeah, no. Let, let me help you holistically. Exactly. Love that. That Love way that. your process is flawless. They go through it and, and they're hired. The onboarding is good. And, and they're like, oh, wow, I need to tell my friends about this. Right. Word, just like any business, word of mouth is the best type of advertisement you can get. So if you mm-hmm. have your employees that's coming in and they're having a great experience, they're going to tell other people about it. And they Absolutely. want friends to come and join them. Absolutely. Love yeah. it. Love it. So, uh, Karen, last question that I always yes. ask folks, what is kind of a daily mantra or motivational thing that gets you up and, you know, each day and, and just grind to build your business and provide mm-hmm. service and value? Well, I always tell people I have two beautiful daughters 
that are 17 and 16. They'll be going off to college in the next two years. I'll be an empty nester. And so that is truly what motivates me. Like being a, my youngest, it has always been the type to leave me little notes on the whiteboard to say, you know, I'm proud of you. You, you know, they are the ones that show everybody their mom's website. So they are extremely proud of me. I was last year I was in, I was on the cover of a local magazine and they were more excited than I was. So those are <laughs> that's awesome. Those are the reasons. Those are the memories that I'm trying to make with them. So I d- definitely will be my children, my family, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Karen, I absolutely appreciate you joining me tonight, sharing your expertise, your value, your Memphis accent. I loved it. (laughs) You're just authentic, right? That's you just you. You get you uh, and building this brand cultural avid to where it's it's really going to make an impact, you know, in in African-American communities in the tech space. So absolutely wishing you continuous blessings for that organization and your family to just go out there and crush it. Thank you. you. All right. So say again. I said, this was great. I appreciate it. So I'm going to close this out with a quick video again, and then we'll chat uh, briefly on the back end, but folks, good night. Um, We will not be back next week. I'm actually going to take like three or four weeks off. Uh, Been doing it straight for like two years. Need a little break. Need a little break. So you wrap me up. You, you're my last guest for the All next right. several weeks. So I start on a high note and end on a high note for a break. Right. Thank you so much, Karen. You're welcome. <laughs>